Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. We're on Zoom. Um, I'm Nick Noyes and I am very happy to welcome my guest today, Liam fucking Young. That's right. How you doing? You alright, man? Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Uh, and like we were saying before, um, yeah, last time I saw you was at the Black Rebel gig. And um, yeah. I knew it was you because you had on a, like, a leather jacket with painting on the back. Um, and it reminded me of uh, what the uh, Guns N' Roses video when he's got uh, Madonna painted on the back. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite like a big jacket. And I was like, it's fucking Liam. <laughs> and I went, and went, oh, mate, you all right? <laughs> and then it was like, hello, I'm Sinta. <laughs> and it likes it to say, why haven't you introduced me? I was like, we've met before. Yeah, she's uh, she can be like that. But with jackets now, I only buy them with paintings or pictures on the back, just so people can tell where, like, who I am from a distance. Because I quite, I quite like the interaction. So it's like you see the jacket come running over. It's nice. I like it. It was perfect. And I kind of, I, I was looking out for you because I kind of thought you would be there. I knew you was a big fan like me. I was like, oh, he'll, he'll fucking be around. So I was kind of looking around, like, when I got up for a fag and that. And, uh, uh, like, Black Rebel, basically... You know what? I saw them um, when they... Uh, they headlined, I think headlined, the second stage at Reading when the second stage was just, like, quite small. Wow. Uh, and I remember, like, really loving the first album and seeing them and being really bitterly disappointed. And then I didn't see them... Uh, a good few years and then one time I saw him at uh, like the forum and I went right at the front and I was totally totally blown away like it was so big and so loud and so intense and I was like yeah and I've been pretty obsessed with them ever since really well the, the thing with me with Black Rebel was I, they were like one of the first bands who I got really obsessed with I think the only obsession I had with that with 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 a musician or a band was probably Michael Jackson when I was a little kid and then I found Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and I must have been like about 16 and uh, I, I remember putting them on and coming to London and I can't remember it was like one of the first times I went to Camden and I was listening to that album for some reason 
Right. And then I felt like Nick Drago was like, was that his, is that how you say yeah, his surname? Yeah, yeah. The it coolest motherfucker I've ever seen, man. That drummer, he looked cool. He played cool. He liked to party. Obviously, there was like certain issues that we didn't know about at the time, but he was cool. And then I got obsessed with this band. And then I, I, I went to see him. And like you say, I think I've seen him quite a few. I've seen him quite a few times now. But then there's like, sometimes I go see him and I think, oh God, like, come on. Like, just get through this bit. Because what, what they do is they start off big and then they go, right, now we're playing this bit that we want to play. And it's sort of a bit more downbeat. And then they pick up again. But yeah, they always had like a massive sort of, they had an impact on me and they made me realise how much I loved London because there was a scene here. And, and do you know what? Once I nearly had, um, I, I can't remember which one it was now. I can't remember who it was. One of the guys um, from Black Rebel was nearly stayed at my flat. No way. Yeah, they were coming to London and um, I, I, one of the presenters from XFM at the time was like, oh, he's looking for somewhere to stay. Um, because there was something to do with his hotel. And I was like, yeah, but my girlfriend went, nah, nah, we're all right. I was like, fine. No. I know. So could have hung out literally in my flat. And then you would have been best mates. We would have been best mates. I think think we would have genuinely clicked after I'd shown him how much I loved him. Probably wouldn't have shown him the tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I'm... Once, like, I, I went, um, I used to get, like, they used to have a lot of bands on uh, Chelmsford YMCA. I've seen a lot of good bands there over the years. And um, they had uh, the singer from the Inspiral Carpets with his new band, The Lovers. They weren't all that great. And, uh, uh, like, they had nowhere to stay. And my mate, Strand, uh, invited them all to stay around his house. And we all went back there. And it was like, fucking, we're living the dream. We're living the dream. <laughs> And then, like, then the band I was in with uh, Stuart, we went to, we played in Manchester, and uh, we met up with Tom, the singer, again, and he, like, proper looked after us, and he came, like, back to the gig, and we all just got really trash, and he just gave us all these amazing tour stories. It was really, really good. Tom was the original singer, weren't he? No, he wasn't. There was someone else, and then there was Tom, and now they've gone back to the first one again. Tom sang, oh. Tom sang all the big songs. That was it. I could I, I couldn't work it out with the, the timeline of it, but yeah, okay. So, what's his surname? Hinley, Tom Hindley. Uh, Hing Hingley, Tom Hingley. I, so, for those who don't know, like, I've known Liam for a few years now, uh, and we tend to bump into each other at gigs and that here and there. And um, yeah. like initially, like we kind of got to know each other through uh, Stu Whiffin, who uh, does another podcast as well. And um, uh, and Liam basically seems to live a really fucking good life. I'm jealous of all the time because uh, Liam um, DJs on Hoxton FM. You DJ like clubs and that as well, don't you? And he also DJs at fucking Reading uh, Leeds Festival every year. Which and uh, and then basically Liam puts pictures up on like Insta or Facebook or whatever um, of him. Like, you put one up a while ago of you backstage taking pictures of, like, the Foo Fighters, like, <laughs> the Foo Fighters fucking ad cases and that. And Liam gets to go to all the best gigs and lives a really rock and roll lifestyle. And um, 
if you're just listening to it, Liam, like, like it looks cool as shit, don't you? Like, <laughs> you I, know, I know the effort goes in there, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very, very, very difficult. Very difficult, but that's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that I do get to go to a lot of gigs. And like you say, I get to DJ a lot of things. I actually work on Hoxton Radio, not Hoxton FM. Hoxton FM. Oh, sorry. Don't, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. <laughs> listen to Hoxton Radio. In fact, I don't care what you listen to on Hoxton Radio. If you just listen to my show, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Party on Hoxton Radio. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, there's quite a lot of, um, like, because, like, I know Stu did some bits with uh, Soho Radio. Is it Soho? Yeah, Soho Radio, yeah. There, um, Stu, like, I think Stu seems to do a lot of everything, doesn't he? Bless him. Like, and funny, we were talking earlier about Manchester and we were talking about Stu and how we know each other through Stu. Last time I was in Manchester with Stu, um, he nearly got taken away by the security in, in the uh, Malmaison because they thought I was a red boy and he had bought me for the night and was trying to book a room. That's it, mate. That is, uh, were you... Um, I remember, like... Uh, like you were, you looked like you were in a horror story. Yeah, this was very early on in my mine and Stu's uh, meeting each other, and we went up to Manchester to try and plug a, a club night. And I had like I had no beard, I had back comb hair, and it was like, just round like this. And um, I was wearing like a women's shirt, really tight jeans, and like quite high boots. And uh, yeah, the, the, I was I was standing there, and Stu was trying to book a room, and as, as uh, I'm there on my own, I'm like looking on my phone, whatever. And this, this security guard comes up and he goes to me, are you, are you all right? And I went, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm all right. And he was like, are you sure you're okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. Of a man over there. Like, I, you know what? Now, looking back on it, I wish I went, no, please help me. Like, arrest that man. Just to, I just would have loved to have seen him get arrested. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was funny. No, I didn't realise at the time until we got back to the room and I told Stu, I said, oh, the, the security guard came up to me and seen if I was all right. He went, they thought you were a rent boy. And... Uh, <laughs> Did you go, was that, did you go and see Danny McNamara? Was that what it was? That was, I'm guessing you've heard that story about going up there. I, no, no, I don't know if I've heard that. Um, I've got, I, I should be having Danny McNamara on here soon, actually. Yeah, he was running, what What club, was it night, no, what club was it? It was, um, it might have been in night and day. I can't remember what the club was called, but it's not there anymore. It was, I think it was round by, um, the Alexander pa- Alexander's. What's the what's the the vintage shop thing called up there in Manchester? If you're from Manchester, I'm very sorry. That yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, like when we played in Manchester, we got lost in Manchester. Found uh, the venue, which I think was the Roadhouse, which was. Um, I got kicked out of there. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. No. That was like. Uh, we we played there, um, and I think it was like some of them elbows last night working because they just got a record deal. Really? Yeah. 
was it is it a peak from elbow he's the loveliest man in the world i've had many a good glass and breeze he's absolute superstar he's a wild I man it was i don't know who it was i like to think it was guy but it probably wasn't oh i, I love elbow they're one of them bands like that what was the seldom seen kid yeah man what I kind of like them more guitar-y moments. Uh, and then mm. some other bits tend to go into a little bit. They go a bit astral weeks for me. And well, you see, I like that because I remember once I went to... Um, I went I went to... Uh, what's the best of all in the Isle of Wight? Are we allowed to talk about drugs on here? Or are we, are we not? Are we yeah, avoiding we drugs? talk about anything. Okay, so I remember we were, we were there. And I, I don't really... I'm not a big fan of like pills or anything like that. And I can remember I thought I'll have half a pill. Um, and then we watched Elbows and I was with all of my, my best friends at the time. Everyone was there and we watched Elbow and they'd done that song with the horns in it. You know? And I can remember standing there watching and I throw your curtains wide and all this. And I'm there, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best time in the world. So this is amazing. Um, and so they've, they've, I've got a lot of good memories with them from oh, that album. Uh, I went to uh, like it might have been the first festival I went with my wife. Like she hasn't, she went to Reading one time, and uh, anyway, we went to V, and it was when they still had bands on. And uh, I remember seeing Biffy Cairo, and they were like feral animals. They're amazing. And then um, yeah, um, Elbow came on with the trumpets, and I uh, instantly just hushed it was just amazing and um about halfway through a fight kicked off and guys like <laughs> during like, elbow yeah yeah i know i know i know like fights were kicking off all the way through like uh biffy caro and then uh, <laughs> a fight kicked off and guy garvey was like is everyone all right oh that wasn't very nice is mate all right and you were like instantly just like what a lovely man well you know what, brother? There's a drinking game that we play. Whenever you watch Elbow as well, every time he goes, is everybody all right? Have a drink. Because he asks you, like, every, every song, every song. And then we all do it. And then we all have, like, a bottle of, like, some brandy or so. Like, is everybody all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice when they kind of, like, care about you. I remember seeing Pearl Jam once, and um, they went, like, look, Everyone, be nice to each other. Pick people up and like just be nice because we can stop on a sixpence. <laughs> it's like amazing. A and a sixpence. Yeah, but, but you no, know, he probably said on a dime. Yeah, but there's um. Well, it's funny you bring that up actually because uh, after this weekend, I love Download Festival, especially this year. Like I know a lot of people who are musicians um, don't really like Kiss. Right, I get that. I fucking love Kiss and. Uh, I love them. And they were playing at Download this weekend. I weren't there. I was well excited to go see Kiss. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we were watching the footage that because Download Festival done this whole shitty fucking like online thing where you could tune in, yeah. make you feel bad that you're not at a festival. Yeah, yeah. So I suckered into it, watched it, felt bad I wasn't at a festival. And then I went, oh shit, you know what? I'm going to watch the Limp Biscuit from Woodstock footage in 1990. Oh, I'd <laughs> Whoa, that is a band who did not give a shit about the crowd, but would just like I loved Limp Biscuit growing up. I really did. I like you know you got. I was I was like massively into them. I was at school 
and so I remember I, I, but I watched the footage and I, I made Sunta watch it and I was like a bit like this isn't right is it and she was like no was, was there a bit when that like he was trying to stand on a big bit of wood yeah was that in the woodstock thing yeah yeah so they'd all pulled it down off the sound desk yeah. they'd like dragged it all down and fucking thrown it across the crowd then everyone's surfing on these bits of wood and then instead of like him going, do you know what? Like you get now, tone it down, or we'll stop. He was like, play break stuff, and then climbed on one of the bits of wood, and was like fucking surfing across it. And you're like, oh man, you starting that riot? And there was a riot, I believe. <laughs> it was a riot, man. It was, it was, and then it started from there all the way through to like the next two, one or two days afterwards. Yeah, they said fire to everything. Yeah, they, they, they went full on. It's like, have you, did you know what happened at the original Woodstock? The original Woodstock was shit because everyone was in mud and not having a great time, and but everyone pulled together. Yeah. This one, it went the opposite way. <laughs> everyone just started attacking each other. Like, mental. A long time ago, you put a post on Facebook uh, that was like, just like, normally, like, you're just looking rock star cool. And I'm always jealous of the fact that you can get away of wearing like uh, like no fielding boots. <laughs> like, I, I would love to be able to get away with no fielding boots, and I think it's because I live in Essex that uh, that I think oh, I'll just get kicked in. Mate, hundred percent truth, right? You know what? When I was stomping around in Essex, I remember DJing at the Pink Toothbrush and getting so much shit from people from the way that I dressed, and the only way to get away from that. <laughs> was moving to London and I was like, fuck it. So now I just wear what I want. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm always really jealous of that. Like, you can just go, like, like, yeah, like I can't even bring myself to it. Now though, because I'm like 40, like nearly mid 40s, if I was to wear skinny jeans, like I feel like uh, I'm trying too hard. You know? Mate, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, what I'll do is after this, we'll book a day in, I'll come round you and we'll stomp around your town Looking how the fuck we want, right? We'll, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll take them on. I'm ready for them. I'm ready for them, brother. It was funny, though. The other day, uh, I was, I was like, I really wanted to get a fedora. And um, and I was, like, showing my wife pictures of fedoras. And I was going, oh, I really think I'll really, like, I want to just do it. And I wear what the fuck I want. And she's like, oh, my wife's, like, super conservative. And then, uh, and then I ended up going. It was. It just ended up coming down. So I was like, a bucket hat, a <laughs> bucket hat. Like Ashcroft used to wear bucket hats, you know. Like it's just like, nah. Then uh, did you uh, end up with like I don't know? What, what did, did you did you get a hat? Nah, I didn't know. Uh, I was oh. uh, I was having an hour and about like uh, a, like a peaky, not a peaky blinders, but you know, like an oversized peaky blinders. Type yeah. Of. So you can pull it down the side a bit. And... I've got one of them, man. You should, you yeah. should get one. Treat yourself. The thing is, though, right, if you wear these things, if you, if you start to think outside of the box and you start to go, I'm going to wear these things, what you also got to take in is that there may be times when you're wearing these outrageous, outlandish sort of outfits that you might need to be taken slightly seriously with a normal human <laughs> being. And there's nothing worse than having an argument with somebody than when you're dressed in flares like a vest and a cowboy hat and you're trying, <laughs> <laughs> trying to put your point across and they're just going to you yeah all right <laughs> that, that, yeah. that shit happens yeah. Trust me. right midnight cowboy 
Yeah, you know, like we were talking about uh, 80s LA, you know, it's almost like, yeah, you wouldn't it, you'd go down fine there, wouldn't you? There wouldn't be no problems, mate. You'd be all right. <laughs> like, I, I genuinely wear what I want all the time. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I, I mean, I do. Inside, like, it, like sometimes if somebody says something or I feel like somebody's not liking me, it fucking hurts, right? But then if <laughs> there's, there's one time I went out with my family and I thought I'd dress pretty normal. I was wearing, similar to what I've got now, sleeveless t-shirt and a pair of leopard print trousers, right? <laughs> they were quite nice. But they, they, and I, I, went, I was going to see my nan. And I was going with my mum and dad. And my dad went to me, you're going to wear that, are you? I mean, my mum and dad aren't that old. You know what I mean? They're, they're in their 50s. They're, they're still cool. Um, I was like, yeah, 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 why? And he went, do you know what, I'll... Uh, I'll buy you something to wear and I would never for anybody anybody ever go I'll, I'll change what I'm wearing but I love my dad and I didn't want to upset him so we stopped we stopped right and we stopped I think it was in fucking it was like a Tesco or an Asda or something and he was like look just find something <laughs> so I found a normal pair of black trousers and a Hawaiian shirt and I was, I was like is this alright and he was like yeah, that's a bit better. I think my T-shirt did have something pretty graphic on, though. It was like a band T-shirt, and it had something that wasn't that nice. I didn't really think about that. But that's the only time I've ever changed for anyone. And that was, what, about three years ago? <laughs> no, no, no. It's weird, because as the time goes on, you're more and more like, no, I'll be my own man. Like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm, I pretty much wear what I wore when I was 18. I'm still, like, 501s. Converse and a band t-shirt. Like, I really haven't really changed that much, except I just wear black now. Like, well, why, why should you? If, if you found a good look, it's like Lemmy said, you know what I mean? Like, why, I've never changed over the years. Lemmy hasn't changed his look since the, the fucking 70s. I mean, during the 60s, that is slightly hippie thing. But yeah. from then on, Lemmy was Lemmy all the way through. And I'm thinking, yeah, if you've got a look and you can rock it all the way through, why change it? Why change it? And like in the end, you kind of respect people for being themselves, you know. Like, yeah. well, well, we do. A lot of other people don't. I'm yeah. so glad I got to see Motorheads. Like for years, oh. me and my mate were like, "Oh, we've got to go and see them. Like, we've got to get them in." And then, um, like, we did see them like quite a few years before he died. Like, whenever they like they played Hammersmith like every year, didn't they? And um, I, I'm so pleased to have gone. And uh, but I did spend most of the time in the box frying up. Because <laughs> uh, he'd just come back from Cuba and uh, he got on this rum thing. And we were in a bar around the corner where we normally go when we go to Hammersmith. And uh, he's like, oh, have you had a Havana Club number seven? And Dangerous, then, mate. And Dangerous. we had loads and loads of it. And then we went in and I'm just like, oh. And, uh, but there was too much guitar solo. I was really disappointed with the guitar solo. I just wanted to be hit in the face, you know. Like, yeah. Wait, was, what year was this? What year? Uh, it must be 10 years, man. It must be. So uh, it was still like the Phil Campbell, Lemmy and Mickey D lineup, right? It weren't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Nobody else... Yeah, yeah, it was. There was loads of, like, breaks for solos, though. And I'm like... Uh, oh. It's Lemmy getting older, right? They need a lot yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. It needs a yeah. bit of space. 
Well, the, like I, I love. I've got a massive Lenny tattoo on my leg. Um, I love. I love Motorhead. Oh, like, oh, oh, oh! Right before I forget, you like Ryan Adams as well, don't you? I fucking love Ryan Adams. I love Ryan Adams. Oh man, I've I've ripped off. I've written so many songs that are Ryan Adams songs that are now mine. <laughs> I've ripped so many of them off. When when he when, when all that shit came out last year, I was like, oh my god. Blown over though. It's blown over. It's it's this kind of and uh, you know. I was really gutted as well. Mate, I was so gutted, and you know he's he's obviously got a, a, again got a lot of issues. Um, and when when all that come out, I was like, oh fucking hell! And that was really a case of trying like trying to over explain shit and get into people. like listen to this though, listen to how amazing this is. Listen, to like, like, you play one of his songs, and you're like, he's done a hundred of these, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, uh, so where you got your tattoo done uh, yeah. when you were saying about the BRMC one, which yeah. was uh, New York Hardcore. New York Hardcore, yeah. If you look inside the um, the uh, inside cover of Ryan Adams' rock and roll album, it's a picture of his wallet, and inside the wallet is New York Hardcore tattoo. And no way. Right there. Oh, fuck, man. Snake. That you got done there, man. I've I've got a, a Ryan Adams T-shirt that says "I love Ryan Adams and worship Satan." <laughs> like fucking coolish. Because you remember when he had that breakdown and he went online and he started like posing shit about Satanism and saying all this stuff and and uh, that, that T-shirt come from that. But what I like about Ryan is he will happily talk about shit that he's going through and he'll, he'll you know he's quite open to things like that and but he just writes these beautiful songs and when you actually sit there and read the lyrics and and you know break down you're like fucking hell man like wow it's amazing. it is amazing i'm currently reading um the book that his tour manager wrote um about the time when they were when whiskey town were going oh yeah yeah he's first band and then then I was like I haven't really like I bought a Whiskey Town album but I hadn't bought the Whiskey Town album which is the first one which is it's fucking amazing if you haven't got it I can't uh, what's it called um oh, it's, it's gone but uh, the first Whiskey Town album is fucking brilliant and like um and the book is brilliant and it basically he was saying there was one point when Ryan Adams was living with him uh, and he he said he went to a bar, came back and played the song. And he was like, how do you know the guitar? And he was like, I just, uh, I'd already written it in my head. I'd already written the guitar. And he said, so he could just pick the guitar up and play the song without actually ever playing it. He's written the lyrics, but he'd written it in his head. The guy's a genius, but he's very vulnerable, which is something that I really like about him. I, and, and, you know, you can hear that in his lyrics and his songs as well. And my, my introduction to Ryan Adams, I can remember. Can you remember that little record shop in South End that used to be but around where the W.H. Smith was? And it was... What's yeah, it? I, I it's forgot what it was Golden Disc. Golden Disc, that's the one, right? I used to go in there because I used to work at Top Man and Top Shop on the high street. And I used to finish work because I started working there at 16. And I used to walk around and just go through and find like cool album covers. I didn't necessarily know. It's our planet, like another band who prob people probably wouldn't 
who would listen to my show wouldn't really think I listened to, but like the stills, I found them through doing this as well. Flicking through, picking up albums that I like the covers of and buying them and listening to them on my way home. I must have been 17 at this point because I was driving a car. And uh, Ryan Adams Gold. Man, I remember picking up the album cover and thinking, this is cool as shit. Put it on in my car. And I was like, whoa, like, this is awesome. And, and uh, then... What's the uh, You're nobody, girl. You're nobody, That's girl. my favourite one because and, well, it's one of, epic. It's, it's epic. And I, I, one of my favourite memories of when I first went to Hollywood was walking along Hollywood Boulevard singing. In, like I was literally singing. It was about three in the morning. I'd just come from a bowling alley at the top of a hotel. And I was listening, in my head, I'm walking along Hollywood Boulevard, my first night there, and I was singing, good night, Hollywood Boulevard, good night, I'll see you. And I was like, shit, man, like, who would have thought, like, this many years after finding Ryan Adams, who I thought would just be a bit part of my life, has yeah, become yeah. this fucking major character who's now impacting, like, these most important times, you know? And he it, it was, he's it, just, his songs are insanely good. I go back to him all the time. And it was funny because like, I got uh, Gold. That was my first album. And then I got Love Is Hell. Oh, me Love too. Love Is Hell is so amazing. Like, it's so brilliant. And there's and I, I, and I constantly tell people, you've got to listen to Ryan Adams. It's so rare that anyone goes, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Most people are like... And I, all I can think is that they only listen to like the first bit of each song because each song, like... Where it starts is nothing like where it finishes. It always goes somewhere else. And then I got, um, oh, look, then I got, uh, you know, he did like like five albums in a year. Um, yeah. Cold Roses and uh, Magnolia Mountain on Cold Roses. Just that completely converted me, that song. Well, man, like, I, I, th- I think the, the latest album as well, what's the latest album called? I'm going I'm going to look up. Very Prisoner quick. Prisoner was the last one, I think. What one? Prisoner, I think. Prisoner. I love Prisoner. Real Tom Petty vibes, and it yeah. took me a while to get into. And then I, 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 the more I listened to it, I was like, nah, I, I dig this, man. And I, I just think everything he does is wonderful. And that's why when all that shit come out, mm. I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like you say, you feel like you're fighting a fight for Ryan Adams. You're like... Listen to him, man. You're going to love him. Listen to this. Listen to this. And then people are like, yeah. And you're like, now you're like, listen to this guy. He's accused of being a fucking yeah, yeah. dick. <laughs> like, you're like, but the thing is, if you if you know his music and you know it, like what he was accused of, um, like it, it didn't, he didn't physically do anything, but you could see how he's a bit of an idiot. You know, like yeah. he's flawed. He's, uh, um, you know, you could see how he'd get into a wormhole and do something and, like, get into what he was accused of. Yeah. Because you could see that he's, he gets excited about things and he's, he's like, he's, he's that kind of character. And, it, and for me, I just felt like I doubt if it, much of it was done with this massive lot of malice. Um, yeah. I don't think he was necessarily being controlling. I just think he's a bit of a fucking idiot. Yeah, and I, I think I think that was it. I think he's probably got jealousy issues. I think because also when when you look at Ryan, is and 
this might make me sound like an asshole, but he's not a particularly good looking man. And he was going out with these very good looking women. And I feel like it was probably playing on his, his insecurities. And I'm not justifying the way he was with these women, not at all. Not, but I'm looking at it from, from his sort of perspective. And maybe he just, I feel like he's wanting people to drive himself mad. You know, I read something the other day. Uh, it was quite a prominent female singer, and she said that um, that she felt that he was like kind of pushing himself on her. But she said that um, like what her overriding feeling was that he was trying to make her make a good record. Oh, okay. And like that, and for me, that kind of all started to click. Is that like when you read this? Like you've got to read this book. It's uh, it's so fucking good. And like, yeah. and you can tell he's just obsessed with music. Absolutely obsessed. Yeah. So like he's trying to use anything to get this fucking performance out. Well, and, that's I, the thing. and I think like a lot of the people that he was accused of, like pushing, were like promising young artists. So, do, you, do you think that when when you're that obsessed with with your own goal, do you think you can, especially maybe if you're slightly on the spectrum or something, you're focusing on your own goal? Yeah. Then maybe you forget about people's feelings in, yeah. in a certain way. And I think it's on the spectrum. I I totally yeah. do. Uh, I think it's one hundred percent, one hundred percent on that kind of genius spectrum. Yeah. And, yeah. Like that's what this book like really really highlights is that is totally like you know he's obsessed but he's um but yeah it also suggests it is quite clever as well but yeah. well, <laughs> let's come back so you did a post on facebook that suggested that you'd had some issues yeah <clears throat> um primarily about like kind of body image image issues is that fair to say yeah 100 percent. yeah bulimia Bulimia and anorexia, yeah. So, can you, like, tell me all about it? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not embarrassed to talk about bulimia and anorexia. In fact, I'm really forthcoming with it. I think yeah, it's yeah. something that um, affects a lot. And, and I'm not taking this away from from the female perspective at all because it does affect a lot of women, more women than men. But sometimes men can be forgot about and it's seen as almost like um, like a bit of a joke, you know. Like I, I got bulimia when I was 15, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm now in my early 30s and I've still, I've still got it. You know what I mean? It's something that hasn't gone away. Um, and basically, um, I eat, I throw up. And that, that's, what, that's what bulimia is. Every now and then I'm, I'm better at other times and and then it can slightly verge into like anorexia and then you, you don't eat for a while and don't get me wrong. I'm not, you can look at me now. I'm, I'm not, it's, you know, I'm not dead thin. I'm not, but that's not what it's about. It's about what goes on in your, your head and the way that you d d deal with it and the other aspects that come with it. But I, I, the first time I realized I was, um, bulimic was when I was 15. And I remember talking to my good friend, Kyle, who's not with us anymore, sadly. Yeah, not yeah, I know, I know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I told him about it and he was like, you're okay, you're, like, um, you're not alone. And he sort of had similar issues. 
but the thing was when I, I, I was a, I was kind of like a little fat kid, you know what I mean? And then I sort of ignored, so 15 years old, 16, dealt with it, kind of went away a little bit. And then I started... Um, Hold on, like, can we go back? Can we go back? Yeah. So when you were 15... Yeah. What were you doing then? So were you then eating and then being sick at that point? Yeah, so... Like, that was when I first started to realise, like, I started to get into music and I started to get into the image that you had with music and I wanted to be a rock star, you know what I mean? Yeah. 15 years old, I want to look like a rock star. Yeah. And I'd already started getting thinner, but through school, I was kind of like a bit of a fat kid, you know? I was, I was a bit podgy and, it, and, and that was always a thing and I wanted to lose weight and I wasn't very good at sports, you know? I wasn't very good at running. I, um, like, when I was... I, I kind of stopped eating, like when I was like sixteen or something. I just didn't really eat much, and I lost loads and loads of weight. And I and I, I still have periods now when I'm like I don't really eat. Mm. It's it's not nice because eating is is there and and food is there because it's good for you. And as soon as you start seeing it as a problem. Yeah. that's when you've got a problem. Do you know what I mean? When you stop seeing it as something that's going to keep you alive and um, keep make you healthy, that's when it's an issue. And, and the, pro- the problem is, is like, you can sit there and you can think, I'm going to eat all this. I'm going to have a great time. I'm really excited. And that's, you don't realise. You'll sit there and you'll order your favourite food or you'll, you'll cook your favourite food and then you'll go, ah, oh, shit. F- I fucked it. I've fucking gone neat and all that. And then you get angry at yourself. You can't relax until you've gone and, and thrown all the fucking thing that you love and, you know, up. And it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible little cycle. Like, there'll be nights where you sort of go, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat tonight. I'm going to be good. I'm going to have a great time. And then you eat. And again, think, oh, shit. Or you think about what you've eaten earlier during the day. And it comes back up. But then going back to like the anorexia thing, there are times where you'll go, you'll wake up in the morning, you're like, right, I'm not eating today. And then you'll just feel shit. You know, <laughs> there's like no, no win-win. But like from being, um, from when I was 15, I can remember at like 16, 17, I remember getting to college and I actually confronted my friends. And I said, I've got this problem. I said, I don't know where it's come from. I said, but I don't want it to be a thing. I said, because they all knew that I ate weird. Like, they knew that I would only eat certain things. I wouldn't eat at certain times. Or I would, if we went out for, like, beers or whatever, I wouldn't drink certain things. And so it was always like, oh. Was this because you felt like you were overweight? So you want, yeah. you want to be overweight? So I, I, I had this image of what I wanted to be. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to get to. And then when I got to that, I wanted to maintain it. And I remember saying to my th- friends, I was like, like, I had a really, gr- you know, it's like growing up in Essex, your mates, you all take the piss out of each other. The yeah. same, same yeah. is all over the place, but yeah. Essex, I feel like it's probably a bit worse. Like, pretty brutal, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And so I was like, boys, I've got this problem. Um, I'm not expecting any help. I said, I just want to tell you, and but we can laugh about it. And I literally said that. And so... There was all these jokes about my bulimia that would go around and we would all make a joke and laugh about it. And now I look back on that 
that was pretty damaging because what I did there was I normalized it, not just for me, but for everybody else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, we, we, there's a picture. There's actually a picture of me on Facebook or MySpace really early on. I can't remember now. It's on one of them. There's a picture of me throwing up outside my friend's house. Uh, and my friend has put on there, no different though. Hey, Liam, always throwing up, right? And at the time, it's like, yeah, okay, that's funny. But now you look back at it and you go, actually, nah, you know, it's, it's not right. And so there has been times when I've actually gone to get help. but uh, It's weird because it's kind of like, um, it's also a little bit rock and roll, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. Well, there is that, that element of it being a bit like, yo, you know. Yeah, I'm fucked. I'm fucking fucked up. Yeah, I'm back up again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you do, you do what you want and then you just hurt yourself to, to make it all all right again. But did you um, speak to your parents or anything at that time? Uh, no, I've got my family. My family are lovely. They're a, they're a wonderful. I couldn't wish for a better family, and they're it's they're amazing. Family. Yeah, they've all they've always been there for me. But it was not something that we, we not really. It's not until recently, not until really that post that you spoke about that I put up um, that we actually properly spoke about it. Um, there was, there's, there's been brief things, but it's never been a massive thing because I've tried to keep it away from everyone. Right. You know, even now, like, if you ask me, I'll talk about it, but I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm a believer. <laughs> disorder. Let's talk about it. Um, but then also, also people realise because there are certain things that come from having an eating disorder that aren't linked to just food. There are certain, like the way you act, there's, you know, the anxiety and depression, all of these things. Like earlier you said, oh, it's got this amazing rock and roll lifestyle. It does this and this and this. And there are times when, you know, you just shut yourself down and go, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything right now. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, like bulimia isn't all like oh yeah i'm just going to do it to make myself thin and uh it's 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 more like in your head you could go throw up like a tiny amount but because you've done it especially if you're feeling out of control of your life like say if you're yeah. say if everything go say it okay say for example you're having a great time say everything's like amazing you've got all these gigs you're you're doing all these things you're djing to thousands of people in europe you're having a great time you, you're Radio shows doing well. There's people interested in you. All of a sudden, you go ah, and your brain just kind of pops, and you've lost control, and and you go oh shit, and then you make you start to make yourself feel more. And on the other side, there is things ain't going so well. Why ain't they going so well? It's because I'm fat and nobody's interested in me anymore. Because I don't look right. That was kind of going to be my next kind of question. Really, is that um. Like I've known people who have, who have been bulimic, and um, yeah, invariably when everything's chaos, uh, like they kind of come back to that because that's like they can kind of control that. But then, in the same respect, like just like depression, really, you know, like when you're depressed, um, you'll still be depressed. Like, it can still kind of hit you hard when everything's good because you're like, I don't deserve it. Yeah, and that's the same with, like, 
if something's going really well for me and I've had this conversation a million times, I will all of a sudden put up some sort of barrier and I don't know whether it's like you say, like, I don't deserve this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try to ruin it. Like, for example, there was one time um, a few years back, I got an audition for MTV. Uh, and what I did, instead of going in clear-headed, ready to kick this fucking audition in the dick, what I did was I went over to the Ellie's Head in Camden, got drunk before my, my audition, told him I wanted to be Prince Harry because I could... Uh, shag anybody I wanted and get away with it <laughs> you know like that was it who would you be if you could be anyone famous I was like be Prince Harry because I could just shag anyone and they were like no <laughs> actually we yeah. don't we need you um you know and the, you you do these things that are kind of destructive and I think that comes from there's there's the depression with the bulimia because you're clearly you're not happy you're throwing up all your shit all the time you know uh, it's interesting because like, like normally like this is relative like i have a good understanding of a lot of kind of mental health stuff um and then normally uh when someone's kind of got depression like me um you can like you start backtracking and you start to understand it um so you know, like the people I've known with bulimia before have had quite difficult um, childhoods. Yeah. And that was, and they would like gorge when no one was around, then throw up. Um, so it was like a, a controlling that difficult period. Have you ever really thought about it in those terms, about kind of like a bit more about where it comes from? Uh, yeah. Like there was, um, like when I, when I was a kid, my, 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 there was, there was some issues with my family. Um, but I, you know, that could have been contributing to it. Um, as a teenager, I grew up, I think maybe it was more me not, not really fitting in and not understanding why, you right. know, like I never really understood why, cause I was not, I was never like, and it, it and again, people see bulimia as like a really shallow thing. You're doing it just for your image. You're doing it just for this. It's not, it's not that. No, it's not. Nothing, no, that's the thing. Nothing like this is fucking straightforward. No. You know, like, it, like you're, you're not well. You know, no. that's why it happens, because you're not fucking well. It's not like, it's not vanity. No, they're, they're, but don't get me wrong. There is an element of vanity in it. There is an element of vanity in it, because you want to look good, so you can do certain things and you feel like yeah, that. Yes, like but, but because you felt like you weren't good enough before. Exactly. So I, I, I like my, I can remember thinking, so I, 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 do you know what? I remember when I was in year five or six at school, a kid called me fat. And I can remember that. I was getting, That's like 10. No, yeah, so I was about 10 years old, I got called fat by, uh, by this guy at school. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, I don't want to be the fat guy. Like, that's not me. And then I grew up, and then I remember when I got to about 15, I, I, my first girlfriend, she cheated on me. And I was like, oh, it must be because I'm fat. It must be. And then, you know, maybe, oh, I'm being joined by a friend. My cat just jumped off. Um, <laughs> that's Rita, yeah, she, she's doing her thing. And I think... Um, you know, it's always come back to my weight. 
weirdly as like a, a whole whole thing. It wasn't necessarily this young people. That was like that was pushed in your head when you were younger and you're like and those kind of things they don't just brush off. You know, uh-huh. like they just don't. No, nah, and every now and like not good enough. Well, every now and then I sit there and I go, do you know what? I've got, like you said, I've got it pretty sweet. I live a great life. I get to do amazing things. I get to go to all these gigs. I get to meet loads of amazing people. And I sit there and I go, I'm all right. But then all of a sudden I go, ah, you know, yeah, I could, I could, you know, I could, I could do with losing some weight, or I'm not looking that good, or like, but, but like before this call, I knew this was going to be a video. So I was at work all day and then I had to run home, sort myself out quickly, get ready, make sure I was looking all right. And I was really stressed. I even messaged my friend and went, can I send you a picture to make sure I look okay? You know, and it's, it's not a vanity thing because I, I'm, I'm not vain. I've, everyone's vain to a, to, a, to a certain degree, but I'm, I'm not arrogant. I'm not vain. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was going to be all right and I wouldn't be judged by you and I know you're not a judgmental man at all but you know you look at everyone like that and you go oh they're gonna judge me in a certain way and it's, it's horrible and I see people who like walk down the street and they're having a lovely time and they never worry about these things you know like that you're clearly worrying about that like some of them haven't even fucking happened yet yeah and uh you're like oh, you know I wish I could be like that and and that's that's a problem right so what's um, you know what though? Uh, it's really, really, it's quite interesting, really, because what what you say is uh, like it's it's quite a universal thing. You know, it's um, it's the that kind of not feeling confident, mm. um, not feeling like you match up against everyone else. Yeah, you know, like I'm not good enough, uh, and I'm not good enough because of this, and like that's my life, you know. That's that's how I felt all my life, really. Not like I don't really feel it now because I've done a fucking lot of work, but yeah, but like that's essentially the same thing. And then, like, like most of the people I talk to in there, like, kind of have the same thing. It just manifests in a different way. That feeling of like, yeah, I'm not good enough, and then, and then, what you do to to counter that, like, so yeah, I drank for years, you know, and uh, a lot of people take a lot of drugs, um, and yeah, and you kind of, it became about food. What what I think isn't really recognised is the fact that, um, like we just say food. Like food is fucking everything. Yeah, food is like you know, you need, you have to eat. Yeah, you have to eat. Um, and then like I was talking about this with, but like I had someone on who was in recovery recently, and we were talking about booze, and it's like you put on the TV, and every soap opera is based around a pub, you know, and then try making that food. Like that's fucking huge, and I and then you go, but like it's like oh, it's alright, it's just for supermodels, and it's like no, it's not. No. It's fucking massive, and I I, I don't I don't know when you talk about it, but 
my heart goes out to you because it's it's like you know three times a day. Nick, it's like this thing, right? I, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Like I say, I'm quite open about it. I don't like want everyone. Like I don't, you know, I don't throw it in people's faces. But um, if people want to know, yeah. I'll tell them. And yeah. one of the hardest things um, I can remember when I met Cinta, she said to her friend, "I've met this guy. He's told me straight off he's got an eating disorder. Um, I don't know if I can deal with that." Yeah, exactly. Right, and then. Obviously, she was like, well, he's, he's actually all right. Like, I, can, I can help him out. But, um, like, with, with, with the thing, it's, it, it is. It's three times a day you're, you're eating. And, you know, it's, it's a normality. And that's the thing about it. Like, with drinking, I'm, I know, believe me, I'm not putting drinking problems down whatsoever. I'm not doing that. Not any drug addictions or anything like that. But with food... It is there to fucking keep you alive and you need to eat. And there's a lot of people who, like myself, every now and then you go, this ain't a problem. This, this isn't a problem. Like, I can, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It makes me feel better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. Yeah. You know? and, and you sort of go, ah, fuck it. I'm still eating every now and then. But you're not because you're not fucking healthy. And what it comes down to is what's going on in your head. And that's that's... The problem right there is this normal thing that shouldn't be a problem. Like similar, to, it's it's no different from going for a shit. Yeah. You know, it's just the other way. You put, you put that stuff in your body to make yourself feel better. You shit it out so you, you fucking feel better. Yeah, that's it. If you stop going for a shit, you're gonna fucking die. Right, <laughs> that's it. The same as as he is. Um, it's it's just fucking. It's gnarly, man, and it's a horrible thing to have. Um. And it's a thing that you can think you've got under control, but you haven't. And unless you're willing to go, I need that help, and, and, and actually go, I'm going to go talk to somebody, you won't do it. There's nobody who can make you do it. Wait, Nick, Nick can I just go to the toilet really quickly? <laughs> I'll come back. Sorry to... I'm going to go as well. Oh, good. So what, what I have noticed, though, you know, like we were saying earlier about um you know me being jealous about all the fun things you do yeah and uh i've been lucky enough to kind of interview like in this recent bunch of podcasts interviews from kind of like musicians and things like that and um and you think oh they've got the perfect life and but actually we're all in the same fucking boat you know, like, like you think, oh, they're having it really brilliant and you get jealous and, you know, oh, I'd like to be doing what they're doing. But essentially, we're all in our heads. You know, like, like we're all still, we're everyone, I was talking to someone and, like, they were like, you know, they'd made it in a band and they just became incredibly insecure. And, and like, from me looking in, it's like, well, that's the dream. And then it's kind of quite nice like heartwarming to hear that uh, we're all in that. Actually, we've all got our shit. Like I always say to people, you know, we've all got a handful of shit that we've got to carry around. Mm. And like you can't do a lot about that handful of shit. You just got to learn how to carry it well. That is that's such a good analogy of it. You know what I mean? And there's like by no means am I am I living the dream. I'm I, like you say, I'm lucky enough to do things though that other people don't get to do, 
which is which is great. Um, and all I do is turn up, play other people's songs, and you know have a good time. Occasionally, I flirt with bands, like playing my own bands and stuff, but not not to the level that I want to be. But yeah. um, like you say, like when you when you speak to people who play in bands, I've spoke to, for example, I, I won't name him because it's not my place to. But I spoke to somebody who's in one of the biggest bands in the world, right? And he's, he's sat down with me and he's told me that he's unhappy and he wants to pack it all in. And you sit there and you go, oh, fuck off. You know what I mean? And like in your head, you're saying that and you're thinking, you fucking maniac. Yeah. Like, you've got everything that I want. But like it's about how you carry your shit, isn't it? Yeah, I always, I, I say it quite regularly. Uh, like Dave Grohl is going to have days when he doesn't want to go up on stage. Like it, essentially... Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it's always going to be a job, and like if you've got kids and that, like touring, it's going to be difficult because like your wife's like clearing up fucking nappies, and you're supposedly having a time of your life. Yeah. But what I was interested in was um, you were talking about um, like how you deal with it a little bit and I didn't know if you were touching on the point of saying that you'd been to see someone about it yeah so there was a I never went to see anybody and then there was a few years maybe like six seven years ago I um I actually went to see a counsellor and uh she was good and she forwarded me to a psychiatrist because things started to get worse and like it started to affect me more mentally than just me throwing up. But I went to see the psychiatrist. She was great. I went to see the psychiatrist, the, the, sorry, saw the counselor. She was great. Saw the psychiatrist. I turned up, he went, what's wrong with you? And I was like, Oh, it says here that you make yourself ill. And I went, yeah. I said, I don't, I don't think I need to. He went, he literally said to me, have you thought about killing yourself? I went, not yet. And he went, okay, bye. He was like, I don't need to see you and sent me away. And, and this could be the worst, mate. That was it. And but no, for me it was like fucking great. I'm normal, and through cognitive therapy, right. I started to feel okay, and I started to eat again, and then um, I start, just started to enjoy myself. I was happy, and then I remember turning up to this event, and somebody said to one of my friends, "What the fuck's happened to Liam?" Jesus, man, look at him. And I'd put on a bit of weight. And my fr- I, I said to my friend, I was like, oh, I didn't want to do that gig. I didn't feel great. He went, oh, yeah, this guy said you'd put on some weight as well. And that was it. Boom. Straight oh, back into it. But, like, fucking hard. Like, I was happy. You know what I mean? Like, I, really, I, lost, I was putting on weight. I was eating. I was enjoying myself. I was having a great time. Um, and as soon as that come around... You punish yourself again. You know, you're like, well, that's it. I need to sort it out. Um, but I, yeah, I tried, I did get help before. Um, and that post that you were talking about, um, that you saw that I put up about uh, Beat and done a fundraiser uh, for Beat because they actually, I, I actually reached out to them for help and they were really cool and they, they helped me. But again, in true fashion where you're not that controlled i'd let it go and i've gone back to them numerous times since then um and they they have helped me and they're they're great beat are a great charity um and don't get enough recognition you know what though uh 
like I say this constantly, <clears throat> is that um, I, I, I probably bore everyone to death with it, is that if you've got an issue, like you've got an issue and I've got an issue, mm. um, and you said earlier that it's always there, mm. like once the issue's there, uh, like it's always there. Yeah. And then you... And you have to get to a point when you kind of like, you recognise it's always there, so you've always got to be working. Like, uh, there's never... So, like, for my mental health, uh, like, when it's bad, like, I want to die. And um, that upsets everyone around me. So I realise that I can't let it get that bad. So that means that I'm, like, daily working on it you know like i'm driving to work i'm not feeling good so i'm kind of fucking talking to myself you know going yeah right you've got it you can control this it's fine your brain's being an ass today sometimes it's an ass but it's fine you know uh like um so i can i I do it all the time i compare uh i read russell brand's book uh recovery and it was a big eye-opener for me because um, I saw my um, like my mental health in terms of like almost like addiction. So, you know, if you're an addict, you're always got to be working on it so you don't become an addict again. So yes. I see my mental health in those, in those terms. Uh, and then it, then I saw my psychiatrist, and like when I see a psychiatrist, I see a different person every time. Like I see him like two or three times a year, and, and all they're really interested in is medication. Uh, and, but but I remember like kind of having a moan off last time, and they said, "You're in recovery, and uh, you need to work on your recovery." And then like Russell Brand's book just went, "Bing, I'm in recovery." Like, that makes sense now. Yeah. So, and you're always in recovery to some extent. That's that's exactly right. And that's the way I see bulimic. Like, I'll never not say I'm not a bulimic anymore. I'm I'm always, always a bulimic because I'm always thinking about the word. Like, you're always thinking about it. You're always counting calories. Yeah. That's the exhausting thing, man. That counting, worrying. Like, like I'd, with, with, depression as well i suppose you're you're always worrying about what could happen and, and yeah, it's exhausting it's exhausting as fuck yeah. and, yeah. I, and I, I i kind of see those parallels with you is that it, like people don't i remember going to psychiatrists and they were going like going through the list and they're like are you exhausted all the time I'm like yeah it's mm. fucking shattered constantly like i can't do anymore and it was it's because like your brain you might not physically be doing anything but your brain is working really fucking hard much harder than it really should well that's it like like now for example i'm drinking these beers i've got i've got some beers here right and um i'm sitting there i'm like right i know that that's that many calories in that beer i know that that's many calories in that beer i know i might have something to eat later so i need to make food and yeah, and you know, like you're constantly thinking, and it, it knack it knackers you out, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, and you don't understand how you you can't you don't have that concept of how am I so tired? Because your brain's constantly worrying, and it's always it's always at the same 
fucking time as well when it kicks in. <laughs> it's like when you're just trying to relax and then it will just come and punch you in the dick. And it's like, wake up. Wake up now and think about everything. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like your um, your protective brain. Like yeah. I, I think it's because um, like because you it's been in you for so long. Um, like this has been going on for so long with you that um, it gets to the point where like um, your brain goes there naturally. Well, Nick, I've I've lived with this for over. I've been alive longer then I've not had this issue. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, I don't know how long you've suffered with yeah, no, I've suffered since I was nine, so, yeah. yeah. So, so for you, it's like, it's normal. And if you were to feel any other way, that would be weird and you can't quite grasp that concept. So why why should you ask for help? Or why? That's how I feel anyway. I'm like, well, this is normal. This is normal. But then I look at it and it's... The other people, it's other people around you that I worry about, like, and I'm sure you do as well. So I look like when I either talk to my girlfriend or talk to my friends and I try and tell them something, they might not necessarily want to hear it or they, they do, but they find it so hard because potentially what you're doing is, is killing yourself slowly. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, it's exactly. exactly the same with depression. Exactly yeah, the exact same parallel. You know, like you were saying earlier about uh, like being self-destructive. Like mm. my depression, like is hugely self-destructive. So it's like you know, even just that smoking loads of facts, it's like slowly killing yourself. You know, like uh, that this idea that you've got this little bit of control and like, why would you do it? You know, like why, like any rational person wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's not rational, um, but it kind of has become rational. But I realise like looking back on things about, I've been self-destructive since I was tiny. Yeah. Um, so like when you said that, I'm like, fucking yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. Like uh, that, yeah, you would become self-destructive because it's almost like the bulimia is a byproduct of that you not liking yourself, and self-destructiveness is you thinking you you don't deserve it. Yeah, and and that's it. And I've 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 said that when when good things happen to me, some say something good's happened. I'm always the first to go. Oh well, fuck it. This will probably happen anyway. You know what I mean? And it's like never allowing yourself to be happy. Yeah, but that is, um, you're, um, so through my massive uh, therapy, obviously, over the last two years, it's kind of understanding, like this is, is understanding that your brain does that anyway. Oh, really? So your brain, I worry, right, because I, I say this all the time, but I, I come back to it because it's um, like it's something that I was taught, and I feel like it should be taught to everyone. But it, it saved my life. It's the idea that um, it's basically that your brain is still the caveman brain, and but essentially your brain's trying to protect you all the time. So, um, so. 
if I was to try and put myself in your feet for a moment, would be, you know, your brain's going, oh, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't deserve that. And it's going to go back to the things from your past, from yeah. your childhood, and it will go, oh, look, I can confirm all of that. And all your brain's trying to do is protect you from, um, protect you from um, feeling let down, protecting you from um, something that's going to go wrong. So it'll wow. go, fuck that up now, and then it won't go wrong. I mean, then, then at least, you know, if it's gone wrong, you've, you've made it go wrong. So it's always trying to protect you. So your brain's always looking for the negatives, always looking for the negatives to protect you from them. But the reality of it is, is that now we don't need that, do we? Like, in reality, we don't need it to protect us. So in your case, you know, like, if you go out and someone says common that you put on weight, then your brain's going to go, I told you, fucking told you, didn't I? Don't do that anymore. I need to protect you. So your brain's like this really good risk assessor. It's always trying to assess the risks. Because, uh, and this is science, you know, this is fact, that the amygdala is looking for problems to protect you from said problems. Um, the amygdala is a bastard, man. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> But like, my, like, so I spent a lot of time with like one particular therapist, Peter, and he, he was like, yeah, your brain does that. Um, and he's like, I bet you spent your whole life fighting it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I've drunk and drugged and done anything I can to fucking shut it up. Yeah. He's like, well, you can't. Because actually, your brain's doing a really good job. The brain's doing exactly what it should be doing. It should be trying to protect you. But it doesn't need to protect you because the world's, you know, like we're not going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. And, not, um, yet. not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But then the idea was, uh, then he kind of gave me, told me that, uh, like, if you think of it, like, basically you can separate yourself from, from that. Like, that part of your brain there, your mind, say, it's trying to protect you all the time. And, you know, and that is your, your bit of your brain is going, oh, Liam, don't eat that. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't want to be fat. Um, but essentially, like, we don't have to listen to it. Like, we can separate ourselves from it. We can control our thoughts. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and basically just totally blow, blew my mind with that. It was like, what? What? I don't have to listen to my brain. And he was like, "No, no, you don't have to listen to it." And um, and after two years, two years of doing it, two years though, um, most of the time I don't, I don't listen to it. I just go, I don't get angry with it. I just go, "All right, you're trying to help me out, but I don't need to listen to you." And um. And I honestly think that saved my life. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can hundred percent can see that. And you know, like there is that thing of not listening to it. And I sit there, and there will be times when I sit there, and I'll go, "I'm not going to listen to you. I'm, I'm fucking. I'm sitting at home, and let's say I've eaten a food that I like, and I'll be like, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. And then I'll sneak off." 
and then I'll go, I've listened, I, I just can't fight because I can't relax until I've done it. And then I'll go and be sick. Then there's other times, for example, where say if I'm at an event or I'm DJing, like when, if, if I'm at an event and I'm playing or I'm DJing and I walk out, I think I'm the fucking dog's bollocks, right? I'll walk out and I'll be like, I'm the coolest motherfucker here. And if my brain starts kicking off and starts going, these people think you're a dickhead, I'll be like, fuck you, I'm the coolest motherfucker here, and I'll argue with it. But when it comes to the, it's so, when it comes to the eating thing, I'll be like, no, you're right, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether it's not having that, yeah, yeah. that many people there to go, actually, do you know what? Just fucking the, I don't know whether I'm arguing with them or, you know, and I. I arguing with you. You're arguing yeah. with you, but what you're doing there is that. <clears throat> Uh, when you're, you've got all those people around you, they're saying, no, no, you're all right. And your brain's going, no, you're not. Like, what happens if, like, one of them said something? Oh, mate, one person said something, that's me fucking done, right? Yeah. I, 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 I remember, I've forgotten who it was now, and I think it's in a film or a comedy program, he goes, one person, and I see they're not getting off, I focus on that motherfucker, and I make them get off. I can't remember what that's from. What's that from? But anyway, that's, that's what I do. So I, I will stop doing what I know is really good, and it's making the majority of people have a good time, to make that one motherfucker over there have a good time. You know, because they've said something to me that's quite negative. And that, that again breaks down to that one voice in your head, right? Yeah. But maybe, like, uh, like for me, like, it was the don't fight it. Don't fight that wanker in your brain and just yeah. go, oh, it's all right. Like, my brain does that. It's fine. You know, like, I just kind of chill with it. Properly, like... I feel like for so long I was fighting it that I've just got to a point now when I'm like, no, I'm not fighting you anymore. All the time I fight you, I, f like, I basically go with you. Mm. And now I'm like, it's all right, man. And I really do. And I have these conversations sometimes out loud in my car. I'm like, no, mate, it's all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I don't, need, I don't need your help now. It's fine. I know you're looking out for me, but I'm all right. And, um, yeah, that's really helped me. It really has. I know it's, it sounds trite and it's really kind of basic, but that idea that, um, your, you know, your brain's not in charge. And it's really, it's a really old idea. You know, like, um, like the Romans, like there's a, a St. Augustine from the Romans, uh, said that, um, uh, you can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. And basically it means that it's up to you. You can say, no, I don't want to know. Or you can just go, oh, I, I'm in hell. I'm going to have an awful time. And I, I know it sounds really, really fucking stupid. but no, I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. And I, I completely get that. And, you know, I, I, I can remember seeing something that, that somebody, but again, it was like, it was somebody on Instagram or something and they put up this post and it was like, oh, um, you don't, con your brain doesn't control you, you control it. And at the time I was like, oh, fuck off. I was like, just 
fuck off. You know, oh, you, you, you choose to be unhappy. And I'm like, you fucking don't. You fucking don't. But there are ways, obviously, like what you've just explained to me, that you can choose to ignore certain signals, right? And you can try and you have to work hard because obviously the brain is a muscle. Like, yeah, that's it's, like the, uh, you know, like I was saying, the recovery thing when it's like yeah. work, 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 work. You know, like always yeah. being kind of consciously aware that, yeah. uh, like that, that is, the wolf is at the door. Oh, oh I leave you like this. <laughs> Uh, there's a Nick Cave song off of Let Love In album, and it goes, There's a devil waiting outside my door. Much longer. And that is how I describe that is like uh, when when at Victoria Park, I cried all the way through that song because uh, Jubilee yeah. Street, Jubilee Street for me is what I cry at. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Uh, but that song, um, at the time, I was like, I pretty much had a meltdown on the way home, and uh, and that song really described like my depression at the door. Yeah. It's always fucking there. It's praying and it's angry and it's ready and it's raw. And it's there at all times. And I've always got to be working on keeping it out of the door. You know, like, and, uh, and, uh, and that kind of epitomises it to me. It's always fucking there and it's always fucking, it's fighting to get in. It's fucking fighting to get in. And when it gets in, I want it to come in. You know, I want it to come in because I want it to want it to you so you can feel, you can have that feeling. Yeah. You've got that that all-encompassing feeling, that comfort again with the, the Nirvana lyric. I miss the comfort in being sad. Yeah. Right? It's there, and once you've got it, you're like, this is normal. Yeah. But it's fucking not normal. <laughs> it's not <laughs> normal. Like, like as we were saying earlier, like if you that's been most of your life. Yeah. Then, like, yeah, you want it to come in. Yeah. It's like then you'll feel normal because you don't really know what anything else is. Um, it was it, like like you were saying about um people who you look up to. I look up to my well, one of my friends, he's a tattooist and I I love him. I I love him more than most people in in the world. He's an amazing man. We went out for a drink just before we uh I come back from Cuba and we went into lockdown. We went out for a drink with him in a pub and he was telling me that he'd been going through quite a hard time. And he found out that he'd got um, omnipolar. So I'd never heard of omnipolar before. It was a thing where like, you're never, this is normal apparently, and you're here, you know, and every now and then you go to here, but you're never hitting normal, but you think it's how you should feel. And then, you know, you're never getting to that level of happiness. That's pretty much, um, it's, um like dyphemia, that's what I've got. Ah, okay. So you never get past that barrier of normal and, you, you know, you're never happy as such, you know? You're always low. You're always yeah. low. Uh, I feel like I've beaten it, to be honest. But, like, I'm, but you know, like I say that. Has, like, has this podcast helped you? Like, doing doing yeah. this for, for how long you've been doing it now, has it helped you talking about things? And, and, yeah. It's yeah. my life, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it is, it's, it's such a great thing that you're doing and giving people the platform to actually stand up and, and speak about it. Because when, when I, like, for example, when I put that post out, um, which was, a, it was like a year ago? Yeah. 
yeah, a year ago when you were like, will you come on? Tonight, for example, I was dead nervous about coming on. And like, I can stand up in front of people and show off and have a fucking great time. That's different. Coming on and talking to you was like one of the hardest things I've done. But, you know, you, you, you're brave enough. You've like been brave enough to stand there in front of people and go, yo, these are my issues. I'm going to get other people, hopefully, to try and talk about. But you're brave enough as well to ask these questions that might be a bit taboo and, you know, and, and normalize the shit and properly, like, fucking analyze it and, and, and bring it down to a level where we can talk about it so it's not so weird and you're not seen as a crazy person. That's the worst thing when people pity you. I put that post out, Nick. Um, a year ago and done that fundraiser and I was treated like uh, I don't know like I, I, I like all, like I don't know like a, something massive had happened to me and I was like please bitch I've been dealing with this for fucking half my life you know what I mean like it's not fucking it's not a big fucking deal for me everyone was pussyfooting around me like not fucking talking to me normal and um and after that, and, and as it started to happen, I started to get angry that it was such a weird thing. And, and what you've done with this podcast, especially, is, is, is bring people out and, and give them a platform to talk about things. And I know mine and yours has been a lot to do with music and talking and having a drink and whatever, but there, there is, there is that, that element that, that's great and it, it does help. It, it really does help. And so for that, Cheers, brother. <laughs> Cheers. No, I agree. And I just think, like, it's not really that fucking weird. You know, like I was saying earlier that, um, you know, through doing this, I speak to so many people. And, like, more often than not, like, not everyone's got a problem. You know, everyone's got issues. Of some sort, everyone's got a fucking issues somewhere. And I, I just think that is being human, you know? Like, and the problem is, is that, like, we, we live in a world where it's considered as, like, you know, you look, you know, oh, shit, I've got an issue, and it, like, suddenly you're vulnerable. And, uh, and it's like, what's wrong with being vulnerable? You know, like... Fuck all wrong with being vulnerable. Exactly. Vulnerable. Exactly. And, like, we're all vulnerable. And um, and I just think, like, not talking about it... Like, for me, that's why I started doing it, was the fact that not talking about it was my problem. Yeah. I didn't talk about it. And all the time I wasn't talking about it, I was feeding that negative cunt in my brain. Mm. And then when I started talking about it, it started to shut up. And then I started to notice that everyone, like, everyone's got it. You know, everyone's got it to some extent or another. It's that, and like, that is being human. And like, if, if we talk about it, then we all start to feel a bit better. Yeah. It's just fucking annoying. I just, get, I just got so fucking sick of it. I'll I tell you what I do need to ask was... Um, when you got your hand tattoos, yeah, which I love, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like our arms are similar. 
And um, do you, uh, have you found uh, that, uh, so I got heavily tattooed, um, mostly by my own hands. Um, and I found it was, now looking back on it, I was being self-destructive. I was being rock and roll. Yeah. I was being, like, essentially, I was being a bit self-destructive. And I, I like the pain, especially if you do it yourself. It's like, it's kind of quite nice. I can imagine. And then, um, and I, I, I've so often been close to doing my own hands. I gave myself a left-handed, uh, I'm right-handed, and I gave myself a tattoo with my left hand. And I, afterwards, I was like, that's fucking dreadful. <laughs> oh, well, I was expecting you to go, that's fucking good, that, I can do more. No, no. Like, why don't I do that? Like, of course I can't draw with my fucking left hand. <laughs> purely just complete self-destruction uh, in a moment when I needed to hurt myself in a reasonably uh, acceptable manner. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what you're asking me is, was this the self-destructive action? With yeah. um, what, what it was, because you know the job I used to do, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, you know I used to work for the police. And so I, I went from working for the old bill, where I had to be, uh, like, short hairs. Like, now, I, I, is this going out as a video, or is this just going vocally? Five, eventually, but... Five, eventually. Okay, well, if you can see me, I've got long hair, I'm covered in tattoos, uh, I've got a big old beard on me, um, and... You know, I, I don't wear, I, I, you know, I wear what the fuck I want, as we spoke about earlier. Yeah. That was kind of a rebellion from that, going from an industry that I fucking, I hated it. Don't get me wrong, I'm still very, um, I, I grew up in a police family, so I am pro-police. Oh, is, is that how you ended up doing it? Was your dad in the police? Well, I'm no. police in my family. Well, no, what happened was I, I, I went to college and I got accepted when I was at college to do fashion and media. And uh, I was, it was like, go study fashion and media or I got like accepted to go work for the police at the same time. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm 18, I can go make some money. Um, so then I went and uh, started working for the police. And... But in, in my head, growing up as a kid through hanging out with Kyle, my best friend, and we all decided, me, me and him both decided because we both had police families. I remember us saying, um, right, we either, we either be rock stars or we use our fallback plan, uh, fallback plan and we, we work for the police somehow. <laughs> that, was, that was all we knew in life. We either knew to be rock stars or work for the police. There was no other jobs in the world. sister is a retired copper now and she went into the police at 18 and uh, she went away for her training yeah like six weeks might have been 12 weeks i don't know and then we went there for her passing out parade and she's marching around 
and uh, she changed. She was like, I'm fucking copper now. And uh, suddenly, her idea of uh, rationality went out of the window. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she was well, that, was, that was the thing. Like, I, I joined, and I, when I first signed up, I was a, a PCSO. I, I joined up as a community support officer. And um, it, was, it was fine, man. But the problem is, like, without being, like, bigging myself up too much, and just, I feel like I'm a bit too nice. And so, like, I, I got hurt by things, and uh, things upset me, and things that people would say or do, you know, I was like, oh, fuck this. And my dad always says to me every now and then, he'll be like, you know what, 10 years in now, uh, 10 years in, you could have been this, blah, blah, blah. You could have been... Child. And, and I'm like, you know what, I'm having a much better time now. I'm, I get to travel across, the, across Europe, um, across the world, playing music, having an amazing time, um, and you get to be yourself. Yeah, and I get to be who I want to be, and that was the thing, like you know. But and, and again, that was a lack of control. Yeah. And um, so coming back to the bulimia, which is what we're here to talk about, obviously, and that that was a thing, and it, it didn't help it at all. And it was actually through that where they put me in touch with a counselor because they were like. You're not looking well. Like what I thought. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So that they um, actually put me in touch with somebody because I was just ill, man. Like, you, you could see it. Like, there's pictures of me actually DJing. Because I was DJing at the brush at the same time. This was very early on. Really? This was just before I left. And I started DJing at um, Club XFM, as it was, before I started to get any sort of... Um, uh, any sort of recognition for what I was doing, which was a lot of bullshit. But <laughs> I just blagged my way through, basically. But um, I was DJing there, and I still love the club, and I really want to go back. Actually, if anyone's going to book me, because I'll, I'll come back for free and play some records, it'd be great to come it's back. Pretty well. It does fucking Friday nights. Yeah, get me, motherfucker. That's right, prick. Book me. <laughs> we can come back. You know, I, I might even come out of retirement and come Yeah, let's, let's, go. let's get back and play some fucking records, man. It'd be good to do that with you. You know who, um, um, oh, Tony is the assistant manager. Fuck and, it, I saw Tony at an Adam gig. He thinks the world of you. I know I he does. Him. Like, uh, like I, I keep in touch with Tony because he's had a few issues along the way. Yeah, he's, he's down. He's a good man. I, yeah, I, he I love. He saw you. Yeah, I, I saw Tony. I was at an Adamant gig, and I was upstairs in the backstage bar, and I looked across, and I was like, "Fuck, I know that man." And I was on my own, and I walked over, and I was like, "Tony is with his daughter. He's with uh, Meg." Meg, Meg. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I sort of went over and we had a really good night together. It was the first time I'd seen him in like eight years or something. But what an absolute diamond that man is. And, you know, I've got a lot of time for that man. Um, I, I well, when, I, when I first went for a job at the brush and he rejected me. He, <laughs> you know, you know uh, uh, I think it must have been probably the first time I met you. Uh, you, you, uh, Stuart was doing a night, you came to DJ, uh, you showed up 
looking like you and the horrors. And that, when I say that, I say that with complete respect because I fucking love the horrors. Yeah. And uh, I've been lucky enough to meet Josh a few times. And um, yeah, you showed up and I was like, oh, fucking it. Yeah, Liam looks fucking cool, doesn't he? <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, Tony was like, come on, look at this. And he showed me uh, your application and he said you were in the police. <laughs> no way. Busted me up. Tony, no way I was in the police. And like now, when I speak to you now, it's like, you know, uh, being in the police requires a lot of confidence. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, I've got confidence. Like, I can walk into a room of people. If you went to me, I'd Liam. There's 50,000 people out there. Can you go read this poem to them? I go, fucking yeah, give it. I'm fucking do it. I'm the same though. I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. Like, I'm like, go on stage in front of 2,000 people and fucking have it. I'll have yeah. it for so long. But yeah, inside, like afterwards, you know, like I'm a mess. Well, that's it. Like, if I'm DJing, I'm fine until I see that one person who's not liking me or. If um, I I don't know, or it, 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 the small the smaller things are the worst shit gets right. So, but then but then saying that I could gladly stand up in like I'm always the first. You know, if you're at um, say if you are anywhere and somebody goes, oh who's who who wants to go first? Say if you're I don't know like a training course or some some bullshit like that. I don't know. It's an example I'm thinking off the top of my head. I will always be the first person to go. Yeah, I'll do it. But then, if I have to walk into yeah, a room of people, I oh, no, I, I fucking, I love showing off. I'm a show off. But no, if, I'm, I'm exact. I am a complete yeah. show off. But inside, I'm a like. A, yeah, but a, then I'm looking at people I'm going, confident. "You're judging me. You're judging me. You're judging me." I need, I need a week. I need a week. Two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> so where are you like now with things? In terms of like my eating disorder, yeah, um, I'm coping. I'm doing a lot more exercise, um, and do you know what's helped this? The lockdown. So I've managed to find an exercise pattern that works for me. Whereas before, I was like working, not have enough time to do anything, constantly doing things. Yeah. Um, I've taken time to find an exercise pattern that works for me. I've started doing more yoga. I know it sounds like such a bullshit thing. Oh yeah, I found yoga. No, no, it's, it's not. It's spiritual stuff. Right, it's true. Meditation as well. Finding a little bit of light for myself. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are days where I'm like, fuck it. I, I, like, I literally hate myself. Like, there, there are, I have horrible times. There, there could be the biggest event on in the world, like going on next door. And I might not go because I feel shit or I feel like, you know, but I'm learning to live with that. Um, I'm like, and, and, and make myself more aware of it. And that's the thing, making yourself more aware of what you're doing. Like you said, having a, having a word with your brain and going, fuck off, basically. You're being a prick. Um, And that's, that's, that, that's been the thing for me to sort of step back and go, you know what? And it's so easy with radio because with radio, I literally sit there behind a microphone. I talk about um, music, my favorite thing in the world, and I switch off. 
Um, and then when it comes to doing other things, that's when it's slightly difficult. You know, I mean, I could be having the worst day in the world, and say if uh, like if you were to FaceTime me or or call me and go, "Yo, have you heard this album?" and I'd go, "No, just listen to it," and then I'd be fine for that amount of time, and then it might come back afterwards, and I might go, "Oh shit." Okay. That's called uh, engaging with your core beliefs. That's yeah. The therapy term is engaging, like doing the things that you like more. Yeah. So that your brain doesn't fucking come bite you. So you like, so you do the things you like and you occupy yeah. your brain with nice things. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think music's a, a big thing for that as well. I know, like one, one, my one of my best, well, my probably my best friend in the world. He's, um, he suffers from depression, but what we do is we get together, and I like getting meeting him is the biggest, the biggest challenge to be like, hey man, come over, or I'll come to you, and we'll put on some records. And his girlfriend, I know, she's like, you need to keep in contact, you need to keep doing this. But then as soon as we're together. And we're listening to their music. I've managed to get him alone for that time because, you know, he's fine and he's great. And for them few hours, we're having a good time. He's fine. And, and I realise, like, I look at him and I go, I'm not as bad as that yet because I've, 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 I've made the effort to put my like, extend the olive branch and go, dude. That's true. You know, let's fucking hang. That's and, true. And, you know, and then we hang out and we have a good time. But then there's also that thing of, you know, you need, you need in that as well from other people. Uh, but my, my uh, bulimia and anxieties, I don't, I don't think I've got depression. Um, I'm not sure. But I, I've never been diagnosed with depression. But I think I suffer from anxiety as a result of my depression. Yeah, I think uh, depression would be a byproduct of the bulimia. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, of course, there are, there are days. Part of. And and this is what's hard, man. This is the thing because when you go, oh, I've got bulimia, and I'm depressed. A lot of people go, are you depressed just because you think fat? And you're like, well, no, no, that's not it. And there are so many men. I'm, who, I'm dealing with this fucking barrage of shit. Exactly, and there, there are so many men who have this issue who don't talk about it or have anorexia. Who like anorexia, like fucking John Prescott apparently had fucking bulimia. You know what I mean? He's a big dude. You know, you can't always see that it's going on. Um, and it's not always about your weight, and people see it as a vanity thing, and especially because I am, I, you know, I post a lot of fucking selfies up and shit like that, and, you know, I've done modelling, and... That's I've, part of it, though, isn't it? That's part of part of the whole. Yeah. I look good today. You know, like, it's like, um, look, look at me, I'm, I'm not awful. You know, it's like, that's all it is. It's not you showing off. It's like, you... Trying to tell the world that you're okay, you know. Yeah. And it's it's not like it's like with the like obviously I'm like I was saying about the modelling thing every now and then I do a little bit of modelling, um, but then I punish myself like but leading up to it 
no, I, I've done stuff for um, Beyond Retro and ASOS and things like that. And then, like, when I'm doing this, I'm thinking, well, oh, they've only asked me because, you know, that's fashionable at the moment. I'm not nothing. I'm not yeah, nothing. Self-destructive bit, isn't it? Yeah. That's your brain going, you, you're not worthy. Yeah. And it's still that now. Like, now I'm um, at one of the heaviest points I've been um, for a few years now. Um, and it's not, you know, I'm getting older. I need to realise that that's a thing. You spread out as you get older. Like, look at Dave Grohl. Like, <laughs> Dave Grohl's not fat. Dave Grohl's yeah. not fat at all, but he's spread yeah. out. Yeah, and I, re- I I appreciate that I'm I'm not a fat man. I look at myself and I don't go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a big fat dude. I'm I'm not. It's not about that, though, is it? No, it's not about that. But I I also um will punish myself for that and I look at Asia and I'm like, oh my God, what if, what if they, um, my girlfriend don't fancy me anymore or what, you know, what if this and then you worry about it and it's, it's horrible, but I, I am in a better place than say I was four years ago when, or no, three years ago when I was modeling for, um, Beyond Retro when I was just fucking destroying myself man like every single meal throwing up not eating just sipping water because you're scared of the retention that's going to come out in your face you know that fucking level of of crazy and in your head you're like this is good and if people said to you i remember somebody said to me once is it no one of the hardest things like i think back and i went to, to dj a university and this is actually really dark and if you don't want to share this, this is fine because sure, and, but I went for an in, I, I went and DJ at a university and it was like a radio station was going on there. And they went, what did you, what did you do to get to where you are? When I was doing a lot of stuff for XFM and things like that. And I went, well, what I do is I grew my hair stupid big, got a slightly famous girlfriend and um, make myself sick after every meal. And I saw no problem with that. No fucking problem. You know? To me, that was normal. And now I look back at it. I just see that as that's where you were then. You know? Yeah. Um, you know what, though, Liam? I think... Um, I feel like you could do more work on it. Oh, yeah. I feel like um, like the last time you saw someone was a long time ago. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I fully know that I'm not well now, but I am now in a position where I realise what I do is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's important, yeah. And so that's, that's half the battle, realising what you do is wrong. And I'm, you know, I... It's um, more than half the battle. I've, I've just started working with Beat again. And um, we're working on uh, taking swabs for DNA to realise whether eating disorders are actually um, generic or not. And so that's something that I'm, I'm looking at, uh, like getting some help with there as well. And so I am back in contact with B and I'm looking at getting myself better. And like I said, through lockdown, like doing workouts, doing yoga, 
Um, it does help, doesn't it? Takes the pressure off. Takes the fucking pressure off, man. It's like, like it's like it's only like your quality of life. Yeah. For me, lockdown, my quality of life has is really gone up because it's like the stress of work is just like I am still working, but it is a lot less. And I can just kind of engage with shit I like, like messing around with guitars and things. Well, that's it, man. Like, taking time for yourself is, like, the main thing. So important. Exactly. Like you say, going to these events and going to, like, parties and things like that, ain't that good for your mental fucking health? Like, like, it's just all fake, isn't it? It's, yes. it's all just bullshit, really. It's, it's all bullshit. And, and you're looking at all these people and you're thinking, oh, like you said, oh, they're living this wonderful fucking life. They're doing this, they're doing that. And like you were saying about um, the guy who's who playing in the bands earlier, you think everything's fucking amazing, but it ain't. you don't know what shit they've got going on. Like, social media is a bullshit tool, you know? And I, t- I don't try to, like, half this, uh, I don't post up a lot of shit that Most I do. Most of your stuff's quite tongue-in-cheek, in fairness. Yeah, my stuff, is, I like to think it's all tongue-in-cheek yeah, and I take the I piss out of it. Yeah. yeah, I take the piss out of it quite a lot. Whereas you, you, you get people who follow people and they're like, fucking hell, I wish I could be doing that. I wish I could be doing that. Really? Like, fucking really? Do you not just want to sit at home and watch fucking a, a, a box set of fucking some shit that you've been watching? I, I imagine Dave Grohl would just love to be able to just shit at home and do fuck all. Wait, do you, know, do you know what I bought the other day? The Adams Family original TV series on box set. I'm working my way on for it. Now. Really? Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, God, that seems really old. Mate, like, this is ni- 1964, apparently. I'm loving it. It's great. It is old. <laughs> well, Liam, we're going to have to wrap up. We've done two hours. Really? Yeah, we've done more than two hours. We've done we're... two hours 38. But I think we've done two hours of podcast. Oh, shit. All of which, all of which, uh, I'm gonna do a two-hour-long podcast. Well, I'm pretty drunk, so there's a lot of shit in there that you need to edit out, right? Just take out all the bad things. Don't edit nothing. Don't <laughs> nothing. What are you talking about? I fucking what? Liam, I might not look it, but I'd still try and be a rock and roll. Mate, you're a fucking badass. I know that. And everything you said is fucking amazing and beautiful. Um. Liam, everything you said has been amazing. And I honestly think um, you, you, like, you've saved people. Like, no one talks about this shit. It's the first time I've ever talked about it. Nick, I, I just want to say this is the first time, like, apart from that post, I've actually um, spoke out about these things. And it, I felt very vulnerable, like we said earlier, coming onto this call. But as soon as we come on, um, I felt super comfortable. I've had a really nice time. At not one point have I ever thought, "Oh fuck, shut the fuck up." You know what I mean? You've 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 made it super easy, and I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, like I say, like this shit, it's not fucking normal, but it is. You know, this happens. This fucking happens. And and you should. If it is, and if there is anyone listening who's going through this, who feels like, oh fuck, I can't fucking talk about this, and you know, people are going to judge me. Fuck it, man. Like, please get some help. Like, please talk to somebody because there are people out there. You can find me, please. If if you want to come out and find me, 
Um, I'm sure Nick will put all the details somewhere, but um, come and talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing because I'm happy to increase that circle of people who are having this type of shit going on. I think it's wonderful. And uh, the, what, what you're doing, Nick, is, is brilliant. Is absolutely amazing. And, you, you know, you're, you're, you're genuine and you're a wonderful man. And, and thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, oh, softy. You're fucking softy. You <laughs> But you are. Yeah, you're but you know what? It ain't fucking weird. It's not weird. It feels, no. It's horrible and it feels weird. But uh, as I say, like, everyone's fucking dealing with shit. Yeah. And, like, the more we talk about it, the better. To yeah. make people feel like they're not mental. Because, you know, like, mental's normal. Exactly. It's, we're all fucking mental. We're all, we're all nuts and you either fucking deal with it or you don't, right? Where is that? That's another fucking film. I can't remember what. Oh, you know, people have got shit to deal with or they, they sort it out or they don't. I can't remember where it's from now, but it's from a film. Yeah. 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 Essentially, uh, my my advice is deal with it. Because it can't, everything could be fucking dealt with. It's all good. Yeah. Anyway, my man. Anyway, brother. I've loved it. All right, mate. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Stay in touch. I'm, I'm, we're friends now, you know that. Mate, we're buddies. We're, we're always buddies. I love you dearly. And I thank you for this because it, it's meant a lot to me as well, like I said. So. Thank it's, you. Oh, it's meant a lot to me because... But also, if you are listening to this, listen to my fucking radio show, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Devil's Dinner Party on Hoxton Radio. Make sure you fucking listen. Friday night, 6pm. It's good. It's good. Thank you, mate. Mate. All right, brother. Thank you. Bye. This is the mouth of manliness. 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 Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.